Good morning, everybody. I know, I'm sorry, I've been super sporadic. I'm supposed to be doing these every morning, and here I am. I just get caught up in something else, or, you know, a couple of these mornings, ever since the time change, man, I've been thrown right off. Uh, just, just junker. Just junker. Well, I hope you're having a fantastic 5 a.m. I'm having a fantastic 5 a.m. Like, nobody on the road. Nice warm car. It's uh, still dark. I like how we spring forward. And I was like, hey, we get a little extra light. Yeah, not for the morning. Here I am, driving, driving in the dark all the time, year-round. Anyways. Okay, so I had a thought. I was doing some maths yesterday. You know, crunching some numbers, wiggling some stuff around. And I'm constantly looking at, you know, <laughs> PSA turnaround times and CGC and all this stuff. And I'm just uh, overly frustrated. And I was thinking, you know, I was, I was talking with the wife. Because obviously, this is a passion of both of ours, is collecting and stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you get a good card and you, you know, I, I had to laugh again because I must have missed it. With with PSA, it's like, hey, twenty dollars for your value, you know, your your bulk. Uh, we don't offer the regular service for fifty right now. Uh, or why don't, why don't you try the next one? And that's a hundred dollars per card. And then you start moving up to 150, 200, 300. And I'm going, there's no way. Even if I had ten cards. And since you don't offer the $50 service and the $20 service, maybe I don't even have 10 cards. Maybe I have five cards, five that I just really, really would like to get encapsulated. Uh, and now I'm paying 100 bucks a card, 500 I'm not going to sell any of that. So then I'm 500 down when that used to be, you know, not, not even close to that. I mean, right now I can tell you, there used to be times when you were a member and you're great, you know, they'd have quarterly specials and it was excellent. It was like $7 a card, $8 a card, 50 card minimum, you know, which is fine because at that point it was, you're still getting the value out of it and you were getting them back in a reasonable amount of time. Now I'm paying more and waiting longer. And now that I, I tell you what, I don't know if you guys have seen the, you know, the CTD thing, their little, uh, little new tracking system. So they totally went away with turnaround times and they're doing this, the uh, complete by dates stuff. So if you had, if you sent out a submission, say you sent out a submission in July, they entered it into the system. So not, not that you sent it out, and not when it was received, but when it was entered into their system, that's when your date starts. So if you sent it out in July, they received it in September, they didn't enter it till December, you're now looking at those completed by times. And if it says July, uh, completed through July 13th, you're still you know, like five months off. Not only are you five months off, 
that's not that's still not giving me an accurate time. They're like, oh, this will help. This will help you because you can you can kind of judge now when you entered your date and when it'll be done. Well, yeah, I, I can see when you've completed through, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to take you another year to get to the December ones. So I really do not like that. And I know that they, I, I think they did that purposely to be like, hey, <laughs> in case you were wondering, the value is now a year to a year and a half wait. And that would deter a lot of people. It's easier to go, hey, let's wipe that off the board. Don't don't let people know that it's going to take that long. Just give them the give them what we've completed so far. Then they'll be like, oh, they've completed all the July stuff. That's fantastic. I'm in December. They're moving right along. No, 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 no. That's not what that means. That doesn't mean because they're completed through July that you have five months to go left on your order. That is not what that means. That just means they finally caught up to July. Now they got whatever uh, influx of cards that could have happened in August. I mean, you could be sitting at, I don't know, July 13th forever because they're not completed through August because they're so freaking backed up with all the submissions that were entered then. Or entered, I guess it would be entered whatever previous. But... Yeah, so their their whole like completed by times, which they are trying to make out to be some huge, great, awesome thing, is not really that awesome. All that does is change how you're looking at how long your cards are. You're still not getting an accurate timing of hey, when will my cards be done? All that's doing is when it gets, when it finally gets to that time, because I'm going to track, and I last looked at mine, or last looked at uh, PSA, which was last night, because <laughs> I do almost every day, just out of curiosity, which they say their complete by times uh, graph is updated daily. It is not. Well, no, that I, I guess that might be, that might not be uh, inaccurate. I, it said July 14th they had completed by and it's been like that for three days now, but they might just not be done with the July 15th stuff. So once again, it's a crappy system if you ask me. I think it's junk. Because all that's going to do is go, oh man, it's December 12th. They entered mine on uh, December 26th. I should, oh man, I'm so close. I'm so close. And the next thing you know, you're still two months off. You know? So it's just, I don't know, they, they could have just left it the way it was and I could just be sitting looking at my regular order form and going, nope, I'm still in step four. Hopefully they're moving along, I'm still in step four. So, okay, sorry, I rant about that again, it just cheeses me. And I, you know, I haven't really discussed their little complete buy times because I haven't really, I didn't really look into it until this week. It's just, it's dumb. Anyways. So, talking with the wife last night. And, you know, we've been, we've been opening battle styles and the pull rates are just, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough gig for battle styles. 
And, you know, when you look through, uh, you know, any of the major websites and, you know, you, know, you look at resale on these products and you look at, you know, the single cards and all of this. And don't get me wrong. Part of the joy of the hobby is to rip open a pack. It's pure joy. You rip it open, four to the front, toss the code card, which uh, I want to get into the code card situation in just a minute here. But, you know, you're doing through those cards, and if you've never, you know, if it's first time opening the set, you're like, oh, cool, got that one, got that one now. That's going to go into my binder. Got that one, got that one. And then, you know, maybe you hit a... Uh, one of the minor hits, you know, Max or what, whatever it is. In any card, trading card situation, basketball, whatever. You, know. you hit cards you like, you hit big hitters, you hit the minor ones, whatever it is. doesn't matter. At some point, if you will keep buying product and are expecting to hit stuff that you're not guaranteed, especially with how stuff is now, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting farther away from the worth it aspect of doing that stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like to rip packs. It's super fun. It's super expensive, though, if you just keep ripping through packs, especially if you can't find on retail, right? So at some point, like last last night, I'm looking at stuff and going, man, I want that Urshifu that's in this battle style set. Hey just really like the art. It's just it's catching my eye. It's just something I want. Now, I can buy the booster. If, if you're lucky, if you're lucky and can get something close to retail, you know, 120, 130 bucks. And you could get a lot of bulk, a lot of, you know, I mean, you could get other hits. Um, but then if you don't get that, card that you're looking for, I I compare that and go, uh, I got I got some minor things I needed for my, you know, maybe my set and a few other things, a majority of it, 80% of it's bulk or more, and then I didn't get the card I wanted, but I can buy it for a hundred bucks. So then you have to weigh the yeah, don't. I would want to pull it. I mean, the excitement you get out of hitting one of those big cards like that, jumping around the room and stuff, is is awesome. I mean, it's 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 pure. That's what makes it fun. But at the same time, I don't want to keep spending that money, especially if I can't get a return on it. If I'm going to spend that 120 bucks on that booster box. And I open that bad boy up, and I don't get the hit I want. Is there anything in there that I can, you know, can I make that money back just to support what I'm doing? I mean, that's that's tough, and you got to really sit there. And I do. I mean, I, I, I am that person. Uh, I don't intend to, like, make loads and loads of money off of cards. I just want to pay for what I bought. That's That's usually... My mentality is 
I just want to at least make my money back. I mean, I, I, I ripped Digimon cards, and I have ones that I got out of that box that I absolutely love. I think that's actually I think that's a fantastic set. Artwork's great. Cards are great. But then I sectioned out cards that I didn't want and packaged up lots and said, hey, I, I can make almost, well, yeah, so what's, uh, uh, what is it, you know, 80, 85, 87% back of my initial cost for that box, just in the vault cards and some of the super rares and stuff I didn't want to keep for myself because I just didn't, I didn't like that card or whatever it was, you know, maybe the box topper and yada, yada. And, uh, and I'm okay with that. To me, that's like, cool. I just, I got, you know, all these other cards that I'm keeping at a reduced price. Ah, cool. I got all these cards for 15 bucks in my eyes. Then I look at it that way and go, Hey, that's not a bad deal. And it was fun to open up all these cards that I've never opened up before. But this just goes back to, you know, I really, I'm really happy that I got this secret rare, but I didn't get this secret rare that I really wanted. Do I want to spend another hundred bucks to try to get it and then hope I can, you know, make 80 to 90% of my money back, uh, just selling the other stuff outright. You know, you really, you really got to work, work the math there, work, work it for you so that you still get to enjoy the hobby and enjoy collecting and have cards in your possession, uh, and still be able to afford, you know, doing more things because it's, it's tough. Oh, sorry. Drinks. Peach. Peach this morning. Delicious beverage. Um, but that's, that's why I want to segue into, you know, this sealed product collection. Because we have started that, and it's beautiful. We have, I built, you know, a huge wall, big shelves, you know, all this to keep sealed product. And I like it. And, yeah, sometimes it's very tempting to, you know, just be like, ah, it's right there. I should just rip it open and not hang on to it. But the, to me, I feel like the sealed market is the way to start venturing into. And obviously, it's more of an investment uh, because, and I'll give you, I, I've mentioned this example before in a recent podcast. It, Dragon Ball Super, Assault of the Saiyans, I had four boxes. Four boxes that I got for like 89 bucks a piece. It was nothing. And I told, I told my wife, these are going to hit. They have these few cards in them. I think these are going to be worth something. A month went by, and I was impatient, and I was like, I'm going to just rip them open, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Got a bunch of cards I wanted. Yada, yada. Now they're going for like $1,500 piece, and I'm sitting here going, boy, I just waited. I mean, granted, it's like six months, 
I just waited. Ah, man, I could have could have had something here. So, to me, I've started now trying to math out the same way uh, I do with cards. So, I'm I'm weighing what my cost is uh, and the quantity I want to buy and what I can, what I want to do with them. So for me, I go, you know what, if I can get, I, I like the three box. I'm, I'm developing a three box rule. Let me tell you what it is. As long as, I mean, it, it has to work. In the it's a, it's a long-term rule hypothesis. I haven't tested it yet, but I'm going to. Then I'll turn it into a theory. In case you don't know, that is thrown around very liberally. Hey, I have a theory. Did you test a hypothesis first and then can conclude that it's a theory? Or are you just saying theory willy-nilly? Can't do that. Got to start with a hypothesis. Then you got to do testing. Then you can call it a theory. Anyways, I digress. Uh... So I have this hypothesis on this three-box situation where I want to I want to keep one sealed for future resale. I just want to see I just want to see what it does. You know, I mean, if I would have just sat and went, I'm just going to keep one of these boxes just to see what it does. Even if you put a time limit on it and go, I want to see where it's at. For a year, and I want to see if it does anything in this year time. And after a year's time, if it's still retail price, maybe you open it, maybe you just sell it back for retail, get your money back, or you know, hold on to it longer. Whatever you want to do, that's up to you. For me, I want to hold on to it for a year. I want to see how the market fluctuates in a year. I want to pay attention to the trends and go. Hey, you know what? I'm glad I held on to this. It's been six months. I'm, you know, quadrupling my money and fantastic. Super happy. Wish I would have bought more boxes. Obviously, sometimes that's not realistic because you're paying for a box and not getting a return right away and, you know, whatever. But here's here's where you, you go with the other two boxes. So you got one that you want to keep. You want to push that out to the side, put it in a safe, I don't know what you do with it, put it under the couch, you'll never see it again. Uh, one I want to keep for myself, for fun. One I want for fun. And then that last one is the one I want to make money on. Somehow, in my, you know, the way I'm, I rationalize it is I want one for sealed, one for fun, one to make my money back on all three. That's my my three rule. One for fun, one for your sealed collection, if you even do that, and one to make the money back. Because if you can, and you know, I know that it might not be super realistic when you're buying stuff way above retail at this juncture, but if you're lucky enough to, you know, get a, get to a store and get the retail stuff because you happen to, uh, you know, stock the vendor well enough or whatever it may be, that 
is more of a reality than you realize. Because then all of a sudden, you can go and be like, man, all right, this is retail. I'm going to rip this one for fun. This one's going on the shelf, and I'm going to see if I can make some money on this to cover the other two. And that's what, you know, and I don't feel like that's wrong for people to do because you're not, to me, that's funding the hobby. To me, that is, listen, and we'll arbitrarily say 100 because it's nice and even. I got $300 in product. I want to keep one. I want to see what it does years from now, see if it was a smart move, which is fine. One for fun, obviously. That third one, everything's 100 bucks. 300 Can I make 300 on this? Or at the very least, at the very least... 200. Can you make 200 on this, these cards? Can I make somewhere close? Because at least at that point, it's going to pay for my other two boxes. And then at least your cost in total has come down to, you know, one box for three. Which to me is still reasonable. I mean, obviously it's uh, the card market's popping and you have a lot of uh, opportunity to make money back on things and you don't not only that we were talking about this yesterday we feel like Pokemon has just been coming out with set 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 but because we we like to rip both English and Japanese uh, you know they're, they're intertwined so like November, you get vivid voltage, and then you don't get battle styles till March, which is, you know, you got like a five-month time frame in there. But then if you open any Japanese cards, Japanese is sticking their couple of subsets in between. So it is like, oh my gosh, set after set after set. Well, it's not really. If you just simmer down and only do English, then you got like five months in between to buy product and find product and whatever before the next one comes out. But shoot, man, if you're buying both, or buying anything else in between. That's I mean, sets are coming out all the time. It's not like they all just go, hey, everybody in every genre, they only get to release five times out of the year. Nobody has enough money for all this. Come on. We got to calm down. Heck no, man. They're like, hey, the more sets we get out, the more they're going to buy. We fall right into it. But, Back to the sealed product. So that's my that's my rule of three. And you can also when you, when you're doing that rule of three, if you're gonna try it, the hypothesis of three. Uh, when you rip open that one fun box, there's a chance that you're you can add to that. You know. Uh, profitability by taking some of those cards and selling them out. I mean, I always, whenever, if Jessica, yeah, bad that, if my wife ever finds stuff out in the wild at retail and we can get some stuff 
I always have to, I'm like, ah, just let me call you back. I got to do some math. I go through math in my head and I give an allotment and say, hey, this is this X amount of dollars that you can spend on this. Get get these things. Because she, she'll like, she'll like call me or text me and be like, hey, there's this many of this, this many of this, this many of this. So I have to get off the phone and I go, okay, you have this much to spend. I would like to resell this for this, resell this for this. Let's open this, keep this, seal this, uh, do this. And then hopefully when we have fun with these ones, pick out the cards we want to keep. And then the, the bulk, or maybe we got duplicates of whatever. Then if we can, you know, sell those off just to make our money back. That's, that is all I, I just want to make back what we spent. I don't want to be, I, I'm just not, uh, I don't know, I don't know what, what you would like me to call it, but I'm not that person that's like, no, take it all, take everything they have on the shelf, I don't care what it costs, we're just going to sell it right away. I don't want to do that, I'm a, I'm a collector first. To me, I'm going, oh man, that's going to be awesome to open. I'm happy, I want to open that, we have a chance to get those ones. You got me all hyped up. But at the same time, the hobby is so expensive right now where I have to be realistic and go, we do have to sell these ones. Get this money, but let's sell these ones so that we kind of just break even on everything, you know? Let's just break even so it looks like we didn't spend any money, but we got to we got to open cards, which is what we want to do. We want to open cards. We want to rip them, even if it's slightly disappointing at times, we just want to open them, want to see what you get, it's just, it's the, it's the randomness and the fun of it just being like, ah, ah, why, why can't I get that, why can't I, what am I going to hit it, shouldn't I hit it, that guy hit it, ah, you know, I mean, we're still salty about Shining Fates, we see people hit, like, five Charizards, and here we are, like, I don't think we're a hundred packs deep or anything, but maybe 50 or more packs deep. Yeah, no, we're, we're actually, that's not true. We're probably like 70, 80 range packs. We've got a ton of baby shinies. We haven't had that many dupes out of it, so that's, that's always good, but I just think sealed product becomes more reasonable for resale and uh, you know, future investment, obviously, and you should just buy the card you want, if you can find it reasonably. I always tell people when they're asking me about how I end up with cards off, uh, you know, wherever I'm buying a third party, aside from ripping them myself, and I'm like, you gotta be patient. You can't just go on to, you know, wherever, eBay, and be like, Oh, there's one. It's $500. Oh, I, I should grab it. No, just, just simmer down. Simmer down a second. Put some stuff on your watch list. Go find some other ones. Wait a while. I mean, you don't, you don't need it right that second. And there's always going, there's going to be somebody who's new to eBay or maybe they're like us and they're just like, hey, I just want to make back the money I spent on the cards, so this one's going to be a little less, 
that's going to guarantee me a sell. You know, you might find that person out there. And you just need to calm down and not rush out to buy it right away. But that just falls right back into the, do I want to buy another, you know, 130 booster? Or maybe if I wait a little bit and just, you know, chill and let the market kind of gain more uh, um, quantity of this card and maybe I'll be able to find it cheaper and then I'll get the one I actually want and then it saves me, you know, from continually buying, you know, packs and product and packs and product, especially if it's not retail. That, that adds up. That's money, money, money. So keep, keep those things in mind. You know, when you're doing it, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, nobody likes a scalper, but you got to make sure that you're kind of funding your own, you know, costs that are allowing you to rip packs open too, you know, because it's, I mean, it's, it's a fun hobby. It's an expensive hobby and, you know, you never want to go into debt or anything with these kind of things, cards or whatever your collectible may be, you never want to go into, into debt, you know, because of it and not have, not even have an investment that could offer a return later on, you know, if you're just sitting there and ripped open everything on Mother Earth and have nothing to show for it, that's uh, just, it's not worth it at that point. And at that point, you should find help because it's like uh, any other addiction. But hey, I'm not a therapist. I'm not. I'm nobody. I'm nobody. So don't listen to me. <laughs> but I worry about that. I mean, we've had instances where it's like, oh man, we've we've spent a lot of money on cards and ripped open a lot of stuff. We got to do something to, you know, bring us back to even Steven. You know. Uh, but I only got a few minutes here before I hop into the old work station, which I guess that's not really a workstation, but, uh, I'm going to give a quick, quick rant. Green code cards are the dumbest things ever created in my life. I've seen some atrocity. Uh, you guys have to agree with me on this. I don't know, you know, I never used to know about the green code cards until last year, the green and white ones for Pokemon. Never used to know about it. No idea. Then all of a sudden, I was enlightened to this uh, madness. And even if you try to hide it, Battle Styles for a while, we opened packs last night. They were they were flipped to the inside so you could see the code uh, first and you didn't get to see what color the side was. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Depending on which way I opened the pack, I wouldn't be able to see if it was green or white. Cool, that's awesome. And then all of a sudden, the other packs we opened, they were all flipped the other way. And then you see the green and you're going, oh my gosh. Green is only okay when you've never opened the set before and you're looking to fill a master set. And at that point, you can just be like, that's okay, it's going in my binder, I need these. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and then the rest of the time, once you've filled up that binder and are looking for all the more rare cards, then you're going, it's a green card. I'm not going to get anything. It should be uniform cards all the time. Just all the time. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but the Japanese 
packs. Don't do that. They don't do that weird code card color BS. And I would rather have it be like, uh, you know, Shining Fates, Hidden Fates, where they're all white code cards. Because then you're just going, hey, I don't know what I'm going to get. I should be getting something, but I don't know. It should be all uniform. It's ridiculous. The only benefit of the green code cards was Vivid Voltage when you could grab a green code card and still hit an amazing rare. And I guess, you know, I mean, it still is, you're still kind of going, ah, majority of the time you're not going to get that, but they should uniform it. And you know what else? They don't do that in basketball cards. They don't do that in uh, Digimon cards. There's none of these indicator cards that can be like, oh, because then at that point, if you happen to see it beforehand, what's the point of flipping through the rest of the cards? Nothing. No point. And it's irritating. Bah. Okay. I got to go, guys. Have a great day. Stay safe. Uh, and we will talk to you soon.